0: We are very thankful of our, for our faculty members for giving their time and happy that they're here. To my left is Jeremy Walker from math, teaches statistics, among other things, right? Mm-hmm. Lots of math stuff. And Laura Lazen Collins from psychology, who's a psychologist, but you may not know if you haven't taken a lot of psychology, there's a decent amount of statistics and research in all social sciences, but especially psychology. And Laura has taught uh, methods and stats, so she knows her stuff. Um, with that, I will turn it over to them. Thank you for coming, and thank you both.
1: Well, so a uh, lot of you guys are in my class, so you'll recognize some of the stuff. I'll talk about that as briefly as possible since you've seen it before, but I want introduce, to so, introduce the ideas that I'll talk about with it. Um, so I sent out a survey. Uh, a lot of faculty members sent that out to their class. You may have thought it was kind of strange. The best idea I ever had was I asked everybody to then email me about the survey, and so if you haven't had an email answer in a little bit, it's because I currently have 150 unread emails, just so you know that was a horrible idea. But thank you for taking the survey. But I wanna talk a little bit about what you might have thought were the weird questions and why I asked them and how it relates to polling. And um, and then I'll come over to you because you have some ideas too that I never heard of about polling at all. So this will be pretty interesting, I think. So hold on a second. I have to All right, so one of the big things with polling is uh, people in stats, and anybody who's taken stats knows is the sample, right? So one of the things you gotta watch out for in politics is these unscientific polls where, um, and I wouldn't trust any unscientific poll whatsoever, so if you watch MSNBC or Fox News, and they have an unscientific poll. I'll tell you exactly the direction that each poll is going to go based on the channel that you're watching, right? What an unscientific poll is, is they didn't use statistical techniques. They just kind of popped the poll up on their website. Now you may argue that's exactly what I did and I will say that you're correct. We got a, any results that I come up with, we can't necessarily apply to the whole population of students because basically what I did was I, I was like, Hey students, take my poll I didn't try to randomly select students and that's the big idea when you try to do a good poll is you randomly select you try to make your group look like the population right and the students taking the classes that the poll was sent out to might not look like the population and such so this is that famous example that you may have heard of where um, a magazine that had correctly uh, predicted the election for years ended up being way way off based on their sample so if you look they, they in 1936 we had Alf Landon who's has ever heard of whatsoever and we had FDR, and they sent out a poll. They sent it out to car owners, magazine subscribers, telephone directories, registered voters, and they ended up predicting landed win-win in a landslide, and as we know, that didn't happen. So it's all about that sample, right? So keep that in mind when we look at the data. And then the other famous example was this one from the New York Times, right? So in 2006, uh, they asked half of a sample, one question and half the other question. What I'm gonna do is I'll put the two questions next to each other. Uh, One said after 9-11, President Bush authorized government wiretaps on some phone calls in the US without getting court warrants. Do you approve or disapprove? The other said the same thing, but they added in the statement saying this was necessary to reduce the threat of terrorism, right? And the results were different. We ended up with 46, we ended up with 53, and that's statistically different. So I did the same thing to you guys. So I don't know if you realize it, there were two versions of the polls floating around. So I wanna look at some of that data and use it to talk a little bit about polling. And maybe I'll come back to you in a second because I got a question for you about some of this stuff. So, the first question everybody got asked are you currently taking a statistics course? Because I wanted to know if I had a lot of stats students doing this because I worried that the results wouldn't be the same because you've learned already what to look for in polls. 2% of people don't know if they're taking stats right now or not. (laughs) See, now, one thing in polling that you do is you ask a question that you should be, that there's a clear answer to. And then you can go in like whoever said that I shouldn't trust anything else they did on the poll because they were either just screwing around they weren't taking it serious the data is probably totally messed up from them okay so this particular poll didn't have a lot of stat students Um, the other poll hold on we'll talk about the GPA in a second had more stat students uh, taking it but it was more of I asked about 212 and 139 so we can see in both cases I didn't have a lot but over here I had more from another course right so just so you know ahead of time now I wanna talk about the versions of the questions I put out there. All right, so everybody that emailed me, and I did start reading emails, you asked me, the height thing kind of popped out at you, right? One group of students was asked to give me your height in feet and inches. All right, now let's look at the data, right? This looks like feet and inches. Okay, this person just isn't reading, but they still tried, right? That's okay, you tried. But already, how am I gonna find an average of this data or something like that? So all these look like typical results. The other group was asked, height in centimeters, not something we use all the time. And so a lot of people, you must have gone on your phone, you went online, you can just type in Google, you know, five foot five in centimeters. And you scroll through though, and the results seem okay. We have an approximation about 163. As a statistician, if I wanted to find an average, that's gonna mess me up. I have to clean this data up a little bit. Um, I keep going, I keep going. 68, okay, 68 centimeters sounds kind of odd to me, I checked. That person is 27 inches tall. So this first example is and now and I, it's just because somebody's just thinking real quick, they're approximating, right? But this first example is to show you that um, it's part of the title of this, you get what you ask for. I asked for height in centimeters. And that's not a natural thing that we work with in the United States. And so I got exactly what I asked for. I got height in centimeters as best as everybody could do it. And again, it'd be interesting to know if that is the same person that doesn't know if they're taking stats, because this person is just having fun, or they just really don't know what's going on in general. We don't know which it is, right? We don't know if we can trust that data or not. So my question to you to start with is, what's the psychology behind this one? Like what can I think about when I look at this question?
2: When you look at uh, 68 centimeters or the question in general? The
1: question in general, like it's such a random question.
2: Are people going to take it serious at all? I, I mean, it depends on how seriously they're taking the survey altogether, right? So some people are going to take the survey completely unseriously and they're just going to give you kind of best guessed answers or random answers. Um, And that's why you try to have questions at the beginning to identify those people. Um, So when you look at psychological surveys, um, things that have been um, really shown to be reliable and valid over time, many of them have a lie scale. So they're actually looking for people who are, are lying on the survey and they're trying to make themselves look good. And they'll insert questions like, do you always floss your teeth two times every day without missing a single time? Now, how many people can say that they always 100% floss their teeth two times every day? Or they might ask a question like, do you always tell the truth? Always, you, know, you never ever tell white lies. And, and you guys, that's just not the case. That's not true. So you insert those questions in to get an idea of who is, who is either lying to make themselves look good or they're not taking it seriously. So I would think in this situation, what you would want to do is go ahead and go back up to the first question and <laughs> weed out those people who said, I don't know what, whether or not I'm taking a stats class because those people could be screwing up the data, a- as you already said. Um, in terms of you know who's answering 68 centimeters it's you can't read their mind you don't know what's behind that it could just be people thinking that you're talking about inches I mean it could have been an
1: honest mistake yeah and this is part of what happens when you design polls now in political polls they are probably not going to ask your height but if they ask your income they got to consider how you might answer that question right like it, as simple as are people going to type in their income in euros versus dollars if I do an international poll that kind of thing and you wouldn't think of this stuff until you start looking at real data okay so I'm gonna look at another question that I varied for the two uh, different ones what's your GPA one group was asked to just type in their GPA okay I don't remember which class got which but some of you might have had this particular question Okay, if we scroll through, somebody has a GPA 4.3. I'm not sure about that one. (laughs) Now, did they mean, here's the tough part as a statistician. Did they mean 3.4? Is it a typo? Are they just messing around? Because they can, because it's anonymous. As soon as people realize that, it's anonymous. We want it anonymous, but, and there's some good answers in here. So I'm going to scroll up just a little bit. So just keep watching. So people, I mean, people are doing really well in their classes, I guess. I can't totally trust it, but I don't know. Okay, you should know your GPA, FYI. (laughs) Um, question mark no I like this my favorite answer no (laughs) but that's what I get I get what I ask for right I put out the question I I set it up so you could type in anything now how nice of you guys to type in numbers but you and mostly but you could have really typed in anything so what would be a better survey design is to come over here where I did the same question but I gave a range of values you had to do multiple choice you had to pick the range of values and again, people are doing very well. But then we come back to the psychology of it. Well, why would you tell me if you weren't doing well? You know, it's natural to kind of want to say well, you know, maybe it's 2.8. But you really wish you you think after this semester will be three, one. So you're just going to type in three, one, you know, self reported data is troublesome. And so there's another issue.
2: Yeah, now with GPS, it's something GPS, GPA, it's something that's a little bit more objective, right? But what if she had asked, um, How sad have you been feeling over the last month on a scale of one to 10, with one being extremely sad and 10 being, you know, not sad at all, being very happy? Um, That kind of data, it's asked for all the time in research. Um, But if I were to ask you guys, you know, what what kinds of answers would you give? Scale of one to ten, one extremely sad, 10, really happy over the last month, just throw out some numbers. Just throw them out, it's okay. Eight, two what 11, Eleven. <laughs> anything else one okay sorry to hear that okay the 11 per- are you aware
1: you are taking stats this semester <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay so my point is um, when you throw those numbers out there are many many things that are going into that besides just how sad you actually were over the last month some of this is how you're feeling today a large chunk of it is how we how you are feeling today another part of it is how well do you think you're feeling, okay? And, and how well do you want to feel? So when we look at GPA, there's only so much that you can mess with those numbers because they are solid numbers that you have, you know, when you look up your student profile. With something more subjective, it's a much more difficult to assess. It's, it's uh, much more subject to an individual's bias. You know, and that makes me think of some of the political
1: polls that come out about how people are feeling about the economy and that kind of thing. And I wonder about the same thing. I don't know the questions that are asked, but it makes you again, this is the type of stuff you want to think about when you're interpreting these polls that you see. All right, so the next set of questions, where I totally mess with you because that's just my job, that's what I do. We'll come back to this one, the most important activity, because it goes with one of the other questions. Okay, so one group got asked, Do you agree or disagree with the following statement personal freedom? And then I describe some ideas of what personal freedom might be, right? Remain anonymous, have private phone calls, et cetera. All right, now notice disagree was very high. So a lot of people think security is more important, 68% versus 31%. All right, but a slight change in the question seriously adjusted the results. So I'm gonna bring this down. Look at the difference here. All I said was personal freedom is more important than security. And now we're almost 50-50. Now these are two random groups, and so we wonder if these are statistically significant differences. They are, that's something that's studied in statistics, but what's, and so this could be, could it be due to randomness? It's unlikely, there's something going on, versus, one way of asking the question, versus when I include the extra information in there. And so this kind of takes me back to that uh, that 9-11 question where you add the extra bit of information, although I have to say this went reverse of what I thought. I figured if I described the freedoms, people would be like, oh yeah, I like that stuff, I like being anonymous. I like private phone calls. But the results were completely reversed from what I expected.
2: Okay, so this one, I've, I've got a lot to say about this one. Um, so scroll back to the other one, the personal, the, this yeah, one. Here. there you go. Okay, so when we are asked questions, and actually just throughout our day, we pull up different schemas, uh, a schema is a way of thinking about a situation or about a person. So when you guys came here, why did you sit in those seats? Why didn't you come sit up here? Because, okay, but I wasn't up here at the beginning. Why not take one of these seats? You might have had a better view. Right, so that indicates who's supposed to be here. The speaker, right? And you guys have learned when you go to a talk, you're supposed to sit in the audience, right? What if there were no chairs there? What would you have done? Sit down, would you have sat on the floor? Would you have just stood around? Would you have maybe tried to find like someone? What's going on? Is there actually a talk? Am I in the right place? Right? You guys, we have a schema for everything that we do. It's a set of expectations, okay, about everything that we do day to day. Walking down the hall, we have a schema. Going to class, we have a schema. Driving the car, we have a schema. So those schemas pop up as we encounter these different situations. And they can be quite powerful when we're talking about making decisions or about what behaviors we're engaging in. I think my my hypothesis about this particular question is that freedom brought up a very particular kind of schema for the people who were answering this question. It framed the question in a way so that that was the emphasis, freedom. Um, now, in the United States, our culture really focuses on Freedom and individual choice, those are kind of key words, key pieces of, you know, what it means to be American and American culture. Um, and so when you see the word freedom, I think that people really honed in on that. It became um, a framer of the question. It, it ignited that schema of freedom. Oh, freedom, freedom is important. Freedom is something that I want. I, th- I do think that freedom is more important. Um, so I think that, I I think that that is what happened with that question. I think that the, the word freedom was signaled more in the sparser question. Mm -hmm. There was less information in it. And so they were focused on that. Whereas with the other one, um, things like remaining anonymous might sound to people like, well, you know, I want to be anonymous, but I don't know if other people should be anonymous and we need to keep tabs on other people and, um, I so I think that freedom was not as key in that second question. That's my hypothesis on that one. Yeah. And you
1: could you say like I they start with their schema for freedom, but then I went and messed with it. Yeah. So I made them think of something else. Right. Yeah. And so the thing is about polling is you don't necessarily know the how the questions were asked. So if questions were asked in this way, the results are different than if they weren't. And the idea is to have the least biased question as possible. It should be as clean of a question as possible, meaning you don't add extra information that's unnecessary because of what she was talking about. And that's why, again, look at the results. They're totally different. Although, again, they go in a different direction than I expected, which is the fun part.
2: Can I, uh, just one more thing about this. I think that you, uh, a third way to put this would be, um, is security more important than personal freedom? So what you put first oftentimes is what helps to set the schema, helps to set the frame that that question is interpreted in. Um, and so I think that even switching around security and freedom, the place, um, could have gotten you a very different answer.
1: Right, and I was going for a dramatic difference, but I'd be curious to see. What's I anticipate, you know, would that be as dramatic or not? And that's what, it's too bad I can't just keep polling, like, all year. But the problem is, then you guys know what to expect. Like, we already ruined it now. Hopefully, we ruined it so that you recognize polls later on.
0: What if, what if they're equally important?
1: Right, and, and that's the problem. I force them to choose agree or disagree. And so I guess if equal, like I would argue, clearly that's a disagree, but what are other people gonna say? Yeah, fair question. All right, the next one, two versions of this question. Uh, I support greater access to social services such as welfare, food stamps, and unemployment assistance. Okay, so let's see the percentage that agree, 60%. All right, I'm gonna go to the other version of the question, which was the sparse version. I support greater access to social services, 77 to 23%. A big difference, again, when I included the extra information, my personal theory here here is, with no scientific evidence whatsoever, uh, is I felt like welfare and food stamps put an image in people's heads. Even if uh, you know somebody that's had to use them, it's different than everybody needing them. And so uh, having those extra phrases affected the mood of the question. And again, that's extremely unscientific, but that's the way I was thinking about
2: it. Yeah, I think the same thing with this, and I think that the keywords that came up in this one were were in fact welfare and food stamps, and I think that there is a negative connotation to those two words. There's a negative feeling for those two words, um, and with this one, I think that um, we also have uh, like another factor here. So part of um, why we answer these in a particular way or why we behave in different ways part of it you guys is because we we want to conserve mental energy I know that sounds like a weird thing to say but our brains can only process so much and so when we are reading questions and and just when we're going about our day-to-day life we're only processing a very small amount centrally you know like really thinking rationally and logically about things we're only processing a very small amount of what's actually going on so when we read questions, we're looking for keywords, And those keywords again, they're connected to these schemas, to these ideas about the world. And so we also want to choose right. We want to be right. We want to be good people. We want other people to think that we're good people. And so we want to agree with the right position and disagree with the wrong position. And when you add welfare and food stamps in here, I think for many people, there is a negative connotation for those for those two concepts. Did you have a question? Yeah, um, I was wondering, like, based on the fact that geography uh, geography can play into the factor as far as like um, uh, Illinois being a Democratic state. But if we would do the same question in uh, another type of state that's uh, majority Republican, would it possibly be a different? Yeah, I think that it's not just Illinois. I think it's where you are in Illinois, right? So if you go over to Hoffman Estates, I think the feeling is going to be different than if you're in Palos, right? And if you're in Bloomington, there's going to be a difference than if you're in Springfield. So there are going to be cultural differences from region to region and town to town, um, and also from state to state. And there are going to be some really key words that, um, that have meaning in some places, and they don't have the same meaning in others. Um, welfare, I think, is, is kind of an interesting one, because I think it, the, the concept of welfare was something that we used to hear a lot about in the 1980s. There was a, there was a huge kind of cultural shift against welfare. And it was almost like a dirty word, welfare mothers. Um, and so there's this huge negative connotation, and, and then there was a lot of welfare reform, a big push for welfare reform. Um, but first you've got to get the negative feelings about that going. And you guys, how do you think you get the negative feelings about that going? What you know, If you are a politician who wants to see welfare ended, and you want everybody to think negatively about welfare, what do you do about that? How do you shift the feeling when the word didn't have the connotation to begin with? how do you shift that that feeling can you say it a little louder yeah keyword media right so when we hear people we hear politicians we hear their spokespeople talking to the media um, they they are trying to shape that message they are trying to shape the way you see things. Um, You know, another really hot topic one is gun control. Um, gun control um, to people who are, say, Democrats can mean something very different than gun control to someone who's a Republican. And it's all about the way that message is being shaped. Um, To someone who's a Republican, gun control might mean taking our guns away. To a Democrat, gun control might be uh, making sure that uh, you pass a background check before you get a gun. Those are two very different things. And so when you ask about just gun control, you might be thinking you're asking a really clean question. Do you support gun control? But that that thing that phrase gun control, it means something very different to to different people in different sections of the population, you need to ask a more specific question, such as do you support a universal background check for people who want to buy guns? And, and you see those data then, you know, if you, if you look at national surveys where you ask about gun control, you see a lot of people are against it. But if you ask about universal background checks, I believe it's in the 80% of people who support it. Um, so you, you really have to watch um, not only what you say, but kind of gauge what the meanings are for those terms and those words. And when you see polls come out, it's, it's important to go back and see how were these questions worded? And also going back to the source, um, you know, it's not just their sample, but it's also, you know, if you guys think that, that the people who are doing these surveys don't know all of this stuff that we're talking about, you know, you're, you're, you're being a little delusional. They know exactly what they're doing. Um, and so if people want to skew their survey, it's fairly easy to do that. You know, if you want to get a particular result, it's not even just shifting your sample. All you have to do is tweak the words a little bit and you can get a different result. Now that's not to say that all polls are biased, right? So some, some organizations work really hard to have unbiased polls. So you gotta take a look at the source. Is this a trustworthy source? Do they have an agenda? And that's something that you really have to think about when you're reading these polls.
1: And if you don't believe that's possible, I made up these questions completely, assuming what the results would be. I was that confident to say, yeah, sure, I'll make up a thing and I'll get some weird results and we'll talk about it. I was that confident that with a little (laughs) training, and again, I'm not trained in giving polls, which is a whole other area of stats. that with just a little bit I knew, I was like, I know I can mess with these results. Now imagine if you put somebody who thought that way through tons of studying about polls, and there you go. Now, okay, I messed with other questions, too. Wait, this is I think this is my favorite, just about. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the two versions of the question. I support increasing the amount of tax dollars spent on education. I had a little, lot of trouble wording this grammatically. I think it came out okay. <laughs> uh, but anyway, 70-30, so agree? All right, the other version of the question. 92% agree. I support increasing funding for education. Where do you think that money's coming from? Tax dollars, right? But tax dollars has a very different idea in your mind than just like, yeah, let's fund it more. Oh wait, tax dollars. Never mind. And again, that was influencing it in that same way. The difference though is shocking. 92 again versus 70 when I toss in the word tax dollars, which is where the money would come from anyway. I mean, I, okay, there's lotteries and things, but that's where you would get a lot of the money. So yeah, I thought that was my favorite
2: yeah that that I think is a pretty um, solid example of how just adding in a couple different words are going to shift what people are focused on as soon as they hear that their tax dollars are being spent on something they don't want to pay more taxes so you're going to get a decrease
1: and then the last question like that and then we'll talk about the other the pair of questions Uh, this one I was just want I wanted to talk about regulations but then I wanted to talk about in some way that everybody dealt with it so One version got, in general, states should do more to promote safety for drivers. I'm sure that seemed like out of left field when you were reading this. I'm not sure why you would disagree with this. I agree with it, but then again, that's my own bias. Um, But 85% agreed. So the other one, I was like, well, you know, where are these gonna come from? So I added a little bit of extra language to describe. In general, states should increase regulations and rules to promote safety for drivers. Now this one I think is a little bit different because there probably are other ways to promote safety. But this is one approach to it. And notice it was only 72% now, so the percentage went down. And again, I'm talking about regulations and rules, which nobody likes that idea whatsoever in general. And it almost reminds me of a soft version of the gun
2: control thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, So in a lot of these questions, what I did is I, I underlined words that kind of jumped out at me that I think would jump out at a lot of people. And for this one, um, we've got promote safety. That's good, so I'm going to agree with that. But then the opposite one had regulations and rules. It's bad, so I'm going to disagree with that. And obviously, you know, this isn't everybody, but we do have a significant difference between the two groups.
1: Now, how long did you guys take for the survey, those of you that took it? A minute? Two minutes? Anybody think about these questions a long time? Is your first response? That's why I was just curious if it was your first thought. Or if you kind of analyzed the wording or not. So now I wonder how you'll treat other polls from now on if you get called up and you end up part of a political poll. Now, this question was just out of sheer curiosity. I mean, I'm like, okay, I got students taking a survey, I might as well ask them. Uh, And so I asked you about, is education your most important activity? Both groups got the same question. Um, In this group, 90% said yes. Uh, And then later on, and notice I put it further away from the question, if this was a really long survey, I would have put this at the end. I wanted to see if, indirectly, I could get you to contradict yourself. Where, you know, you say education is the most important, but you spend all this time on everything else. But you know, it didn't quite turn out that way. And I got a lot of emails from students saying this was the most interesting to them because they thought that they, you know, education was most important, and maybe they spent more time uh, with family. But that's okay. And then I had one student who said. You know, I realize education is important, uh, but I put it as no because I got so many other responsibilities. And the results were really all over the place, but at the same time, 1.86, remember, a lower number was more. So more people in general talked about education that they spent the most time on it. So it actually matched up. And this is something you'll see like, um, if you see those well done, and you can just jump in at any time with this part. Uh, if you've ever played around with those, but the better well done uh, personality quizzes online. Everybody loves taking those for Facebook or whatever. The ones that are really long, I feel like they ask the same question in multiple ways to see if you're changing your mind as you go. Like, you're super organized. I often feel disorganized, but they phrase it in some kind of different way, 20 questions away. That's kind of what I was trying to do here, was trying to see if I could do that.
2: Yeah, in, in psychological surveys, they're doing that for reliability. So they're just making sure that you are answering in a similar way um, and they'll the, absolutely is very much done on purpose.
1: Yeah, and both groups were about the same on this particular one, which, and that to me, lends more towards the fact that the biased questions influence the results, because on this question that was the same, the groups were kind of the same. It's a group of students, a lot of SAT students. When I changed the questions, the results were quite different.
2: Yeah. yeah. Okay, um, well, I, I just had a couple other things that I wanted to say. I did not prepare slides but I do have one little thing at the end Um, and I wanted you guys to start thinking again about the way these questions are posed and also the way that you see them okay so Jeremy um, had shown us these two questions and this was a really famous New York Times example this would be another example of just the framing again of the question so you guys the first question is given the recent terror attacks in Europe should we be allowing migrants from Syria here in the United States versus given the extreme suffering and starvation many Syrian residents have experienced should the US government allow Syrians safe haven here so what's going on with those two questions what do you guys think the bottom ones trying to do what yeah yeah okay so it is designed to elicit empathy right the focus is on the suffering now when you hear when you hear Democrats talking about Syrian refugees what picture are they giving you Democrats, when they say, yeah, we should be resettling Syrian refugees. What picture are they giving you of Syrian refugees? Have you guys been listening at all to the news about this? What? Very poor, very much in need. You know, we do see a lot of reports from you know, newspapers and, you know, sometimes um, other sources of mainstream media. We see these images of, of, like, the Syrian boy who was shell-shocked. I don't know if you guys saw that one in the back of the ambulance. There are these images that are really profound. When that is the schema, that's the frame that comes up, we are much more likely to agree, yeah, you know, we should give Syrians safe haven here um, because we're good people, right? Everybody thinks that they're a good person. We're good people, and, and that's what good people do, and so that's what we should do. We should give them safe haven. When you hear people who are Republicans who are very much against Syrian refugees, what frame are they placing around that? They're terrorists, right? There could be terrorists. They're dangerous. We don't know who's there. Um, you know, uh, ISIS they're implanting people into the Syrian refugees they bring up the terrorist attacks in Europe Okay, so then what is the schema that gets triggered? It's a negative one right it's one that induces fear So it's going to shift our opinion. It's going to shift what we think we should do to be a good person um, I do want you guys to really think about the idea that a lot of what we do day to day, we don't really think deeply about. You know, we don't really think logically and rationally about. Most of the time we just go on our intuition. Um, we're, we're not thinking things through. Um, and those that, that desire to not think things through can be triggered by other things as well. So if you guys are really stressed, um, your central processing, your, your ability to think rationally about things, it gets shut down. In our brain, we have this little structure, it's called the amygdala. It's very small, and when, when we're under stress, it starts signaling the rest of the brain. So it's like, ah, 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 goes over, takes over the rest of the brain. It shuts down our central processing right here. It shuts down our rational reasoned thinking. When our amygdala is going, okay? It's telling us to run or fight, the fight or flight. When that amygdala is triggered, we can't think through things. Um, how many of you guys have been pulled over by a police officer before? I, I have. Uh, really? You guys are lucky. Okay. So when you get pulled over by a police officer, um, what are the physical symptoms that are going on in your body? nothing you're cool you're nervous physically what's going on you're sweating do your hands start shaking no Um, heart racing Um, maybe do you do you start to lose your train of thought maybe you're not as good at responding maybe you know the police officers asking you questions and it almost sounds to you like you start sounding guilty okay because you're not smooth you guys that's the amygdala taking over have you guys ever been in a fight with a significant other and that significant other like pulls something out there and they accuse you of something and you're like I don't I I don't and like you can't get the words out you can't like put it into a, a reasonable sentence and give them a reasoned response back that also that is your amygdala taking over people who want to manipulate others know this they know that the way to get your central processing shut down the way to get you to stop thinking rationally is to trigger fear okay so when you see any politicians or polls you know where the wording is trying to trigger fear that is often an indicator that they are the person who has the wording together has manipulated it in an intentional way to try to elicit that fear response and shut down central processing get more of the response that they are looking for does that make sense you guys okay um i guess the other thing that i wanted to talk about was just you know we have this goal to want to not think things think, think things through thoroughly. Okay, of of wanting to conserve mental effort, we also have a goal of wanting to be a good person. How many people in here are good people? Raise your hand if you're a good person. Come on, are you guys bad people? You're a bad person. Are you a bad person? You're bad. I'm all just the way taking through. notes Evil. right
1: now for the next test.
2: Yeah, you guys. We all believe that we are good people. Everybody no matter what side of the political divide, no matter what country, people believe, unless there's serious mental illness going on there, not, not pointing fingers, um, unless there's serious mental illness going on, people think that they are good people. Everybody does. And so when we look at the poll, um, whatever poll question it is we're pulling out things that are good or bad we want to answer the right way we want to be a good person we want other people to see us as good as a good person we want us to see us as a good person we're constantly trying to convince ourselves as well okay so when I look at those questions that Jeremy put together um, Let's go up to let's go up to this one the education one for instance okay this one the thing that pops out is education increased funding for education well geez who isn't for increasing funding for education that's a good thing I want to do a good thing spending my tax dollars on it spending tax dollars it's bad that's bad I don't want to be for spending tax dollars okay so it's what term is triggered and again we want to be consistent with this good image of ourselves let's do one more of the good versus bad okay I support greater access to social services social services good that sounds good I want to be you know someone who's supportive social services that's kind of a general term that sounds like a good thing Welfare and food stamps, that sounds bad. That's for people who aren't responsible. Okay? So we've got really two things that are impacting people when they when they answer polls. We've got both that they are these cognitive misers. They don't like to expend mental energy. They don't like to think things through very deeply. And so they rely on schemas, okay and, and framing. And then the second thing is we want to be good people. We want to be people who are liked. We want to like ourselves. Okay, Those two things both very much impact how we respond to polls. And those things can be manipulated by the wording. That's about it. Keep knocking this.
0: So I have a question for you just to push it a little more. I, you know, we see polls all the time. And as someone who has done research and is involved in research, polling is super important, right? It's how we understand things. Where are we? How we make decisions? Sometimes, as a, as a society, um, at different levels, how do we, how should we look at our look at polls and understand? Are there ways that we can look know what good polls are, bad polls? I, I don't want everyone to walk away with the idea that every pollster is play, their goal is to manipulate you and play with data, because I don't think that's true. Good, there's many good pollsters out there. So how should we be thinking about this as voters, number one, as active citizens, et cetera?
2: Yeah, and so I'll take this, and then, Jeremy, you can chime in. Um, but I think that one of the things that we can do is we can really look at the source of the poll, OK? And, and look at whether or not that source potentially has a hidden agenda. Um, you guys know that there are television programs and news organizations that are tilted left or right correct so which one is tilted right there's a big one it's tilted right just say it (laughs) thanks Um, yeah you guys Fox News is, is very much tilted right okay which one is tilted left it's MSNBC okay they're tilted left um, so I, I would be very cautious about interpreting polls from an organization that has a known bias towards one or the other. So you're going to look for organizations that have no hidden agenda, that are well known for, for trying and aspiring to be unbiased. And as Troy said, it's, it's really important that we don't just throw all polls out because it's how we get information. We need to not fly into these elections blind. We need to know what's going on. Polls are the best way to get that information. At the same time, we have to be cautious about interpreting those polls. So I would say find a site, find an organization that seems to be trustworthy, and then compare within that organization change over time. So, for example, if I were to look at a Fox News poll on Monday and I were to see Donald Trump is ahead by four points, okay, and then I look at an MSNBC poll on Tuesday and I see Hillary Clinton is ahead by six points, um, I'm going to be like, wow, that shifted radically, right? I mean, that's a huge shift in terms of points. Instead of shifting back and forth between two sources, especially ones that we are known to be biased, pick one and stick with it. So if you've got, I believe it's 538 is the site um, that, that's fairly known for, for being as unbiased as you can be, um, take a look at that site over time. How are their polls shifting from day to day? That's going to give you a more accurate picture of, um, of where the numbers actually are. The other thing that you can do is you can look for sites that give you aggregate polls. So instead of just relying on one poll um, with the wording in one particular way, they're looking at multiple sites. And then they're aggregating all of those numbers into one set of numbers that they're giving you.
0: And one that I would throw out there is RealClearPolitics. RealClearPolitics, I think it's realClearPolitics.com. And they use the same polls over time from different areas of the spectrum to balance it out. So even if one poll may be biased right or left, in general, if one candidate is trending up, even if it's whatever way it's biased, it will still follow that. So maybe a a poll generally has Donald Trump as up, but he may not be up as much if there's a trend toward Clinton. So they include all the different ones in there, and it's a nice average to look at if you're into the horse race kind of thing.
1: Now, I was going to say good polling agencies like Pew Research and uh, others. Gallup if you know yeah if you know they're good one of the ways that or you're not sure is the good ones will publish their methods and so they'll say you know we sampled these type of people in this way and this is what we did and then you can evaluate for yourself although i'm going to throw a wrench in the whole thing my theory is who cares what the polls say i would rather educate myself on the issues blindly on purpose because i don't want to be influenced knowing the majority of people think this and then feel like i should think that too and go into it looking looking at it that way. And who cares if Trump is ahead or Clinton's ahead? I'm going to vote for who I want to vote for. And so I also remember ju- that it, there's a lot of noise in it, meaning statistical noise, kind of like it, the people's uh, minds change. Um, some questions are good. Some questions are bad. Some polls are good. Some polls are bad. But um, your personal decisions and beliefs don't have to ride on that. I'm especially wary of polls that are trying to get me to think everybody's crazy or whatever, you know, they'll, they'll give you a poll and it'll be like, can you believe everybody thinks this way? And I'm always like, okay, they're obviously trying to get me to be like, oh no, I can't believe that and start thinking a certain way. And so that's why I try not to, as much as I'm into stats, I avoid a lot of the noise on purpose. I like making the decisions just based on the information raw itself. But that's a lot of legwork too.
0: Are there questions? Open up to questions. Everyone's excited to not be in class right now, but also excited to get out.
1: Oh, but we're still having class after.
0: (laughs) All right, if there's nothing else, how about a round of applause? Thank you, thank you.